Guys, as I think you may recall, um, this past summer, uh, the Supreme Court uh, redefined uh, the institution of marriage. Um, human sexuality is um, more probably uh, confusing now than it's ever been in the history of man. There is, um, there is on the front page of Time magazine this past week, uh, a picture of a nine-year-old girl who, um, I think she's from Wales. Uh, it's actually, it's a nine-year-old boy who um, is either considering or has already performed a uh, transgender operation. You concerned about that? You ought to be. I had somebody ask me two weeks ago, uh, what's the age limit of uh, uh, kids who are coming, who can come? Um, how about, can your child sit in here and not cry? Then you bring them. Uh, six, maybe? My friends, if you knew what we hear, if, if you knew what your kids were listening to, just in terms of their music, and what we hear that they're listening to, you would beat a path into this church on the 5th and 6th of February. It's completely free. It's a Friday night and Saturday morning. You have to pay a thing. We'll even give you something to eat Saturday morning. But guys, um, <clears throat> the spokesman for this whole Christian and sexuality in the country today is this woman right here. Rosaria Butterfield. Uh, this is her first book. I've read this one. I have not read her second but um, she was a uh, PhD, she is a PhD, a professor at, um, was a professor at Syracuse University, where she was the head of the queer theory department. She became a Christian, and now she is the spokesman. You better get here. The issues um, that are afoot demand your presence. I read somebody said uh, some place this week um, that the church is a safe place for sexual sinners. I love that, except for this. The church is a safe place for all kinds of sinners. But one of the big uh, issues today is, of course, human sexuality, porn. Oh my gosh, three out of ten men in the church are addicted to porn. So guys, um, sit home and watch more college basketball and be bored to absolute tears. Um, or you can get your little honey over here uh, on a Friday night and a Saturday morning. And um, I, I will say this, my one fear for us is that she is so bright that she might speak over our heads. Okay, well then let's get bright with her. What do you say? We can think. And um, this is a time to do that. Fifth and sixth, hope to see you then. Now guys, um, before I move to my sermon, which will be brief this morning, um, we do this once a year. We believe that the New Testament teaches a form of government that is a plurality of eldership. That is, uh, the, the, the form of church government taught in here is not a benevolent dictator where Jimmy gets his way, because Jimmy doesn't get his way, but a plurality of eldership. And so um, you nominate and you elect, 
uh, every year. And so it seems like every year we, we elect a new man who's never been um, ordained to the office of elder. Such is the case this year. So at this time, um, I, I would like to have just Carr, Carr Kelsey, Dr. Carr Kelsey, if he would come forward. Um, and then we're going to add to him in just a minute the rest of the men, um, elders in this church, and the men are being installed. But Carr is different in a lot of ways. But uh, um, he's different in that he is being ordained to the office of elder. The others are going to be installed. That is, they've been ordained before and are coming back into the eldership. Carr is being ordained to the office of elder. We believe that what, we're, what you're about to witness is something that is um, ratified or taught in the New Testament in places such as 1 Timothy 4 and Acts 6, where men are set aside by the laying uh, on of hands, and we'll do that in just a minute. But before we get to that, I have some questions to put to Carr. Now, before I do Carr, I think you know the story when David committed Bathsheba, committed adultery with Bathsheba. And when Nathan came to see him, uh, told him a story about uh, this little man, et cetera, et cetera, and David was convicted of his sin. But one of the things that Nathan said to him was, David, you have given the enemies of God an occasion to blaspheme. My dear brother, you're about to enter into an office that your behavior now is more thoroughly watched. And oh, that we might never give thee the enemies, enemies of God, an occasion to blaspheme. With that in mind, I want to put to you these questions. First, Carr, do you approve of the form of government and discipline of Grace Evangelical Church to be in conformity with the general principles of biblical polity? Do you? And do you accept the office of ruling elder in this church and promise faithfully to perform all the duties thereof and to endeavor by the grace of God to adorn the profession of the gospel in your life and to set a worthy example before the church of which God has made you an officer. Do you? I do. And do you promise subjection to your brethren in the Lord? Do you? I do. And do you promise to strive for the purity, peace, unity, and edification of the church? Do you? I do. Hold that thought. Now, brothers... Would you add yourselves, all of the elders um, who are going to be a part of this laying on of hands, all of the four new installees, would you come on forward um, at this time? Carl, you move up. And then the four installees need to get in the the middle here. Uh, Floyd, Tom, Carl, and Brad. Where's Brad? There's Brad. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Carl Kelsey is being ordained. Carl Elliott, Floyd Harvey, Brad Smith, and Tom Jordan are being installed. They have been elders here before. You renominated them, and you reelected them. So I have one question for the four of them. Um, Brothers. Have there been any changes in your views or practice to annul any of your previous ordination vows? Have there? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have a question to you. Now, gang, here at Gracie Van, 
You nominated these men. You elected these men. You chose them out of our number to lead you. And so to you, as, a, as members of this congregation, I ask this. Do you, member, do you, as members of Gracie Van, acknowledge and receive these brothers as ruling elders, and do you promise to yield to them all the honor and encouragement and obedience in the Lord to which their office, according to the word of God and the constitution of this church, entitle them? Do you, if so, indicate that by an uplifted hand? Remember what you just said, said yes to. Now, Carr, if you will kneel on this second step, and then brothers, if you can get in here and uh, get your hand somehow on Carr. <clears throat> Maybe we pray together. Our Father, it is a sobering task which these men uh, have set their hands to perform. It is, um, it is no small task. It is complex. It is sometimes, sometimes burdensome, painful. Uh, we are not up to it. None of us. Carr isn't. None of the other elders are intrinsically capable of performing this task. We acknowledge it freely. And so we come to you, O oh God, to ask that you will equip us by the power of the Holy Ghost to do the job that is so important for your people who sit here in this room. O oh God, they face issues and problems and concerns and futures, and it's all so difficult. Grant them the infusion of your spirit in such a way that when the decisions are made, they are made with the imprimatur of your Holy Spirit stamped upon them. Bring these men to places that they have never gone spiritually and use them with such power that your people here at Gracie Van might feel well cared for. Lord, we commit them to you, particularly Carr, as he steps into this role for the first time. Might he quake under the responsibility that is now his. We long for our inner men to be strengthened by your spirit. Do that for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before you stand up, Carr, before we start this handshaking thing that lasts for 45 minutes. I now pronounce and declare that Carr Kelsey has been regularly elected, ordained, and installed as a ruling elder at Grace Evangelical Church, agreeable to the Word of God, and that as such, he is entitled to all the encouragement, honor, and obedience in the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Welcome, brother.
Now, while they're doing this, I'm just going to preach. <laughs> oh, thanks, brothers. Yeah, we need to go. Th- yeah. Yeah, that, here we go. Whoa. That's plenty. That's wonderful. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> guys, take your Bibles and open them uh, to 1 Corinthians 11. And let me tell you why you're looking for them. 1 Corinthians 11 is, outside of the Synoptic Gospels, the only place where we get any instruction concerning the sacrament. It's given, given to us by the Apostle Paul. I want to read you three quick verses that Paul writes concerning the, um, the sacrament of which we are about to, in, in which we are about to participate. It is called communion. It is called the Lord's Supper, whatever term you like. About that sacrament, Paul says this. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Then let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, this word, this endures forever. Guys, I just read you uh, a couple of sentences out of, <clears throat> out of the New Testament, and they're, they're, they're quite unusual, quite odd even, um, certainly rare, a rare statement, because the Bible uh, normally um, invites, it includes, it, it embraces. But here in what I just read you, um, the Bible does something else. It excludes, it prohibits, it, it stops. The, the, uh, the word that it's used in church circles is that it fences. You see, this table is what's called the Lord's table, and it is for the Lord's people, and for the Lord's people only. But it is for all of the Lord's people. You know, I've never quite understood how Rome gets around uh, offering the bread to the people, but not the cup. Um, Paul in the text mentions both. He, he mentions both bread and cup, and he mentions eating and drinking. But in Rome, you only get a half of an invitation. A, a half of an invitation, come participate in the bread, but the cup is not for you. No, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord's Supper is for all of you. That is, all of you who are Christians. I think you, you may remember in the Old Testament, the event in the Old Testament out of which this is taken, uh, its, its Old Testament roots is, of course, the, the event called Passover. Um, Israel is coming out of Egypt, finally. And after all those miracles that Moses performs, the last one, is that, is that night where they are to take an unblemished lamb and extract its blood and paint it over the doorpost. 
and and then the if you're not if you don't have blood on your doorpost the death angel passes by and you lose your firstborn remember that's called the passover but one of the pieces of instruction of the passover is no foreigner shall eat of it no foreigner shall eat of it just like here no foreigner you know guys it's a it's an intricate delicate thing that i'm doing right now I'm trying to fence this table in a way that the people of God are not frightened away. In fact, that the people of God are encouraged to come, and yet only the people of God. Gang, interestingly, this sacrament is not intended to be evangelistic. It's it's only for God's people. And the smallest grain of true faith is what qualifies you to be a part. It's not your church membership. That doesn't, it's not, that's not what qualifies you. In fact, church membership often just muddies the water. What qualifies you is not some kind of perfect sanctification or, or even full assurance and certainly not merit. I'm good enough to go. No. It is only faith that qualifies you to participate. You know, People can get to heaven with only half of the love that they should have had or half of the hope that they should have had or maybe just a smidgen of patience, but nobody gets to heaven without faith. You need to keep this in mind, my brother and sister in Christ. There's there's nothing meritorious about you coming. You don't earn something by coming to this table. The only merit that is here this morning is the merit that is on this table or at least is symbolized on this table so my brother and sister in Christ when we come we're here to be fed on his merit everything that God demands of us God has through Christ provided for us I am not deficient and I'm not deficient because Christ is so sufficient eating this is not intended to to satisfy your stomach eating this is designed to quiet your heart it is to quiet the fearful heart that wonders Have I done enough? Here's the answer. No. No, you have not done enough and you never will. But it is Christ who has done for us all that is necessary. So come. Come and feed on the merit of Jesus Christ for you. Our Father, would you remind your people that what we're doing is something that is uniquely designed for us. It is designed to remind us of all the provisions that you have made for us in Christ. It is designed to illustrate and symbolize all over again 
the extremes to which you have gone so that we might be saved. So meet us here, Father. Might your people eat and drink for the refreshment of their souls. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, I think you know the story um, of the last night of Jesus' life. You remember that? Um, he met with the 12 in the upper room. And um, at that supper, um, he took bread. And um, when he had broken it, he said to his disciples, This is my body, broken for you. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.